Pipes and Mitch. Hey everyone, on this week's episode I have the pleasure of speaking to a very special guest. My next guest has worked in the US entertainment industry for quite some time. She is a costume designer and she's a complete expert in making characters from shows and movies look their best. She has worked on many high-profile shows including but not limited to Scrubs, The American Office and many, many more. Uh, My previous guest, Kip Krauger, introduced us. And, uh, you know, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the amazing, the wonderfully talented Carrie Bennett. I hope you all enjoy this episode, and let's go on a ride. We'll hear many stories about Scrubs, The Office, and uh, much more work that she's done. So I hope you enjoy. G'day, everybody. Uh, After that amazing introduction, I'd like to introduce the one and only Carrie Bennett. How are you doing today? Hi. (laughs) So fun to be here. Thanks for coming on, and... For those of you who might be aware, first off, I've spoken to Zach and Donald on their podcast, Fake Doctoral Friends, then production coordinator, Jared Weissfelder, and then uh, one of the guys that's worked on Scrubs and Ted Lasso, Kip Kroger. And Kip was kind enough to put us in touch. So thank you, Kip. Thank you, Jared. And we'll keep this party rolling. So where do we find you today and how are you and what's going on? Hi, hi. Yeah. Well, I, I feel honored to be here. I love that those guys are still looking out for me all these years later after after uh, working together on Scrubs. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to chat about? So basically today, what what I did with them and um, some of the other guests I've had on the site, we'll just talk about your life in like, or you see so your professional career is in like kind of like a timeline sense. You know, how'd you get started? How did you, you know, find yourself on the set of some of the shows you've been on and, you know, and up to today, what you're up to and, you know, sort of what you're like, what was your first fandoms and what got you started? So to so this podcast is about two sections so we'll talk about your story shortly and uh, but this first part has become a bit of an ice-breaking tool it's a bit of a, a good way to sort of get some stuff off our chest so i was wondering carrie would you like to join me in having a bitchy with mitchy this week <laughs> i would love it so the idea of the section is to yeah as i said get something off your chest have a good old wine in australia we call it having a whinge or a sook so if you're a crybaby you're referred to as a sook and uh, I was just wondering, would you like to go first? Would you like me to? Or uh, you go first. <laughs> okay. So I've um I've just I said in the last episode, this is the second one I'm recording this year. I've um I've just had to move four hours west. So I'm I'm from a place called Newcastle, and I'm moving inland to a place called Orange. My dad's from there. It's a little country town, about forty thousand people. And I've just got to start in the gold mine out there, rebuilding a dam. So I've been working on that, and um. So sorry, everyone, I haven't had a chance to, to sort of do this much, but my bitch is the whole process of having to move house. I am absolutely over it. Um, you know, the hiring of the truck, the moving of the gear, plus then i got to drive four and a half hours just to unload it again and come home. Ugh. So I just hate it. I, I, it's, it's been an absolutely painful process and I can't wait just to be settled in and have a nice cold beer on arrival. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> I wish I could share a beer with you. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a chance at some point but it's um yeah it's interesting my dad's from that part of the world and um yeah I've been looking forward to maybe getting there at some point and this opportunity arose and it'll give me I'll do a week on and a week off so on the week off I'll be able to do a lot more potting and carry on like an absolute dickhead and also in Australia we're very self-deprecating so it's it's fine <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. perfect I mean I, we're all striving for balance right that sounds good that sounds yeah. good that's half work half doing what you love that, well, that's that's hopefully can give me some sense of sanity, and you know we'll see how we go. But so mine's pretty straightforward. What about yours? What's is there something that's been grinding your gears of late, or you know, sort of in general? 
oh my gosh, I don't know. What can I bitch about? Um, Whatever you like. <laughs> let's think here. I mean, besides the fact that we may be interrupted by a leaf blower because that's like the um, national bird of Los Angeles. I can't <laughs> get through a podcast without a leaf blower happening. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel for you. The moving is, um, it's, it's a lot. And actually, I, I've lived in this house that we're that I'm sitting in right now for 20 years. Yeah, and nice. I'm in a moment where I think everybody is right now, like this sort of upheaval. Um, we're kind of we're kind of reassessing like what's really important and where we need to be and stuff like that. Um, I'm doing a massive clean out. I'm I'm I have so much accumulated clothing, costumes, stuff that I'm hanging on to because I never know if I'm gonna need it or it's like something inspiring. It's all going, it's leaving next weekend. <laughs> okay cool so oh that'll be you. that'll be one of the questions i'll ask you later is like have you kept like a memento oh. of some of the shows you worked on but i mean i guess well, I, a question is like how's COVID treated you and you know being in the entertainment industry being so largely affected by it has COVID been kind to you or has it been hard or you know it's such a mixed bag because like we were down everything closed down screeched to a halt which is like uh, incredible uh, for the entertainment industry. It screeched a hall for like eight months. Nothing happened. Um, and I have only done one job during it. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard because we were all separated and had to wear full PPE when I'm doing fittings. And um, it just felt disjointed. Um, usually it's such a like family camaraderie, but in this space, it was like, we were really um, on our own little islands trying to work together. <laughs> Um, but I, I actually can't really complain. I've, I've had so much time at home and with my daughter, who's 12 now, um, was 10 when this all started. I mean, I'll never get that time back. It was, it's been absolutely priceless, precious, the most incredible uh, time to be with her. So uh, I haven't, none of us have had COVID, luckily. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I'm not, I can't really bitch about that. Not really bitching about COVID. Oh, fair enough. Well, um, we were talking earlier in the week and you, you mentioned something about the Costume Designers Guild and they're making a big push now. Did you want to talk about that a little on today's show as well? Like, Because in, in hindsight, like I, I personally don't know a lot about sort of costume designing and, and you know, that part of the world. And that's why a reason I wanted to chat to you today was to sort of shed some light and share some of those stories of those who are behind the camera sort of thing. Um, so we can talk about that if you like, or we can come back to it totally. later. I could, I could, I, I could totally bitch about that for a second. Okay. Okay. Let's <laughs> I really appreciate you bringing it up because it is, it's a big issue that the um, costume designers guild is, is uh, working on right now. One of the things during our COVID uh, lockdown is that we all had time to think about this and we all had time to talk to each other. You know, usually costume designers all work on their own shows and we don't really get to, you know, chat. But during this time, we, we totally did. And we, we did a ton of research and compiled uh, everybody's rates. Like we all were like, feels like, we, like we're just spinning our wheels all the time and never getting anywhere um, and working for these really low rates. And once we compiled this whole, um, we have this massive rate chart now that's incredible. It has all the production companies and the high, low and medium of what everybody's making. Um, it was astounding and actually sickening to find out how low our rates are compared to the other department heads. So for instance, the director of photography who deals with the lighting and the production designer who does the, the sets and everything you sit on, 
<laughs> you know, we're getting, we're getting like 40 to 50% less than those people that are of equal visual importance mm. on, a, on a show. And, you know, and that's across the board, that's movies uh, and TV. And um, uh, it was, it was really stunning to kind of see that in writing. Um, and, you know, I think a, a big part of it is because it's a, it's like an 85% uh, women um, run industry, the costume designers. Um, so unfortunately, I think that, that plays into it a lot that we've just traditionally been paid less. It's very sad. But I'll, I'll tell you what, like costume designers hustle. It's, it's a job that never, ever ends. You're, you're, even when you're at home, you're getting calls from the actors, you're getting calls from directors, producers all weekend long. When you're on a gig, it, it's, it's a 24 it's seven job. And I don't think that the other visual artists have that same uh, dedication to not not dedication. I sorry, I don't want to say that. I 100% respect what they do, but we're also act as sort of psychiatrists and the mom on the set, and kind of all the things. So it just really never ends. Um, I had one time I was walking out of a uh, meeting, uh, the the pitch meeting with the production designer. Like you do this on a pilot, you go in, and it's the production designer and the costume designer standing next to each other, talking about, talking to the studio and the, um, uh, the network. Uh, and they, they explain, here's how the show's going to look. And we have all these visuals and stuff like that. And we left the meeting and it went really great. And there was no notes. And the production designer looked at me and goes, Hey, so that was great. We have no notes. You feel pretty done now with your process. And I was like, are you, are you done? Because I, oh my gosh, I just, like that is just the tip of the iceberg for me. Like I still have to design design each character one by one. I have to shop it all. I have to meet with all the actors, take, get all their input. I have to fit all the actors at nauseum. Like it's, it, that never, ever, ever ends throughout the whole process and things change. And I have to match my stuff up with your sets so that it doesn't, so it looks good, you know? So it looks, so each, each scene is like a little portrait. My job does not end until until the last scene. Um, so, and I'm getting 50% less than that production designer. It's that's, kind of mind boggling. That's, oh, wow, I, that, to, to hear that, that's that's kind of sad, isn't it? Like for someone who, someone who, you know, as you said, like you don't really stop to think about, but you know, some of the, some of the iconic costumes through the years, you know, people like yourself have, you know, been responsible for making characters, you know, noticeable and famous and, and it sounds like this specific production coordinator just treated it like a nine to five or switch it off and I'll see you all tomorrow. But realistically speaking, you know, to match the aesthetic of the show or movie you're working on, it sounds to me like, you know, things are constantly changing. And yeah, like you might have to do, I don't know, four or five scenes and each person's in a different costume, say, and then, you know, and then be trialing whatever works. So I I really hope that uh, they that pay gap changes and I hope that, you know, more equality comes into that because that's sad to hear. It really is. It's yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, the cost, the, the characters that you think are, you know, that, that are iconic to you and that are famous and that have Halloween costumes and dolls and lunch boxes and all that stuff. The costume designer never sees any residual on that. Like that design gets, gets used over and over again in perpetuity throughout the universe forever without any other further compensation. 
um, yeah, it's, you know, what would the, the uh, movie poster have on it? What would the movie, how would you sell the project without the actor in the costume? Like, it's, you know, it's. That's an interesting, um, that's an interesting way to think about it, but you're exactly right. You know, you got that iconic, like if you look at the office or scrubs, say you got that iconic Dwight Schrute yellow mustard shirt and those cheap suits. You look at, you know, you look at JD and Turkey, you look at those green or blue scrubs or whatever, you know, it's, it becomes embedded in the DNA of the character and, you know, you, you get used to it as a viewer. Like I'm by no means have no, no skin in the game, but as a consumer, yeah, you stop and go, you know what? That's right. When I think of Dwight, I think of the cheap suits. So, yeah. and, um, you know, you think of Pam, you think of the pencil skirts, you think of Jim, you think of the oversized shirts and the baggy clothes or whatever. So, and I mean, it's the greatest compliment to see somebody wearing that for Halloween. <laughs> You're like, you got it. <laughs> but you know, it's, it is, it's disheartening to know. I mean, we, when we had a town hall meeting about this, once all this information was compiled and we could sort of see it on the, on paper, um, there were real famous costume designers on this call and they were like sickened. They were depressed. They were like, listen, my costume supervisor, who is the, the right-hand person that works with the costume designer, um, the costume supervisor had worked 15 years and could retire. And the costume designer had worked 30 years in the business and couldn't retire because of the way that our pay is structured. And it's just like those kind of anecdotal things are so like, mind-boggling yeah wow when you put it like that it's it makes you go how like how did this get overseen so many years ago and it's become the norm it's become Uh, the norm yeah yeah so we started a really groovy campaign like um we've gotten all of our actor friends to make videos um talking about how important costume design is to them and i at first i was like oh that's kind of an uphill battle like catching these guys and getting to can I tell you, I, it's been absolutely awesome how many actors have just jumped on board, just just were just like, I'll do it, no problem. Like, of course, like, you know, because it's the costume designer is the first call that they get when they get hired. Literally, often I'm the one that's telling them when their first day of work is, like, what this character is, you know, what the what the scenes are are. Like, I, literally, I'm the first call. And, you know, trying to, to get their brain engaged in who, who this character is and start giving me some input. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it, it, it's a team effort. Team effort doesn't just happen. No, fair enough. And, you know, it's not like, well, to me, it's not, it sounds as if you're not asking for the world, you're asking for just equal just, you know, equality. Yeah. Like it's, so hopefully by speaking about this, people out there and the actors get some, you get the ball rolling and you're able to get some traction. And before you know it, you'll be retiring sooner rather than later. How good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. From your, from your lips to the universe, let's go. <laughs> you hear that universe? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks universe. Thanks. <laughs> Believe in come true. What do they call that? The uh, Manifest. manifesting and what is, uh, anyways, so that's, I feel better after having a good old bitch, having a good old wine. <laughs> Thanks, me too, me too. <laughs> putting it out in the universe. So, okay. So I think we might delve into, you know, Carrie as a person, as a professional, as a some of your personal uh, sort of stories as well. But one question I like to start things off with every creative I get on is take, a, take yourself back to when you were a kid, your earliest memory. Can you remember the first thing you were a fan of, whether it be a book, show, series, uh, can be anything? Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was The Muppet Show. Oh, yes. Do you have that? Do you know that? 
Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Oh, Yay! My God, I mean, Miss Piggy was like blew my mind. I had Miss Piggy sheets on my bed, and I I grew up in San Diego, and there was a show at the museum of the Muppets, and there she was in this glass case, but it had like her little wardrobe, her little costumes, and oh, I was like, cool. <laughs> Oh my God, that there, that's me. I, that's what I want to do. I made my parents buy me like foam rubber and I was like trying to cut puppets out of it. And I, you know, my birthday party, I had my parents buy me like feathers and, and um, sequins and stuff. And I wanted all my friends to make puppets with me. And uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> just never looked back. I actually interviewed with the, the Muppets a couple different times yeah. um, to work with them, but uh, it never, it never materialized. It wasn't meant to be. So that's kind of, that was kind of like a dream job to to get paid to play with the Muppets and make them look amazing right. and stuff. <laughs> oh, you never know. It could be around the corner. If you're listening in, Muppet producers. <laughs> Although in Australia, if you like, if you think someone's a bit of an idiot, you'll call them a Muppet. You'll be like, oh, you shut up, you Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, there was that episode of the Muppets. The Muppets came on Scrubs, which was like. Yeah, season eight. And that, that will, or I guess in, in some ways good. you would have. You would have had to have designed some of the some of the clothes and some of the outfits. But how was that experience? I you know I don't think I don't know that we did. I don't I didn't do any costumes for them per se. But but obviously they were there. It was like such a festive environment. That show all together was such a family show. Like where everybody always brought their kids and their dogs and their pets. And I mean it just was like such a festive atmosphere always. That the Muppet scenario was absolutely outer limits not so and our lovely producers invited everyone to bring their families to to view the muppets so everybody <laughs> brought their kids and stuff and they were available they were so gracious all the you know puppeteers and stuff and we all took pictures with them and um yeah it really it deepened my crush on grover <laughs> I, I have a friend named super grover and he looks just like the muppet he's hairy and he's ah oh, so if oh, you're wow. listening grover there you go. You've got a fan, buddy. <laughs> That's yeah. That was that was epic. That was like again, universe was making it happen for me. <laughs> That's that was one. That's one of my favorite episodes. So in case you can tell, I'm a huge Scrubs fan, massive. Hence the wearing of onesies on television and carrying on like a Muppet myself. Um, so okay, that was your first fandom. So. Fast forward, I guess this that sort of coincides with this next question is, was that truly the genesis of your entertainment career? And how did you originally get started? How did you know this was sort of the path that you wanted to take? Oh, gosh, you know, it's so funny. I actually, in college, I was a dance major, um, but I, I love to sew and I was working in the costume shop there, like doing costumes for dance and just kind of helping out and learning whatever. And um, there was a costume design class and I took it. And the teacher of that class was a graduate of CalArts, California Institute of the Arts, which is out here, super famous college. And um, she was the one that just planted the seed. She's like, you have great energy to do, to do work in television. You should, you should work in television. And that just, it literally just planted the seed. She helped me put a portfolio together to um, uh, get my, uh, to do the master's program in costume design at CalArts. And I did it. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. That was it. Like I just, I, I wasn't sure dance was going to be for me for the rest of my life with all the injuries and stuff. Like that. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, I, doing that graduate work there was what gave me the confidence to be like, oh, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Like I can work my way around a, a, a workroom, making costumes um, and, you know, of course, all the stuff, design theory and all that stuff. Um, and then uh, a, a guest speaker came to talk to us and she was telling us how you get a job in the industry. And I literally just turned all that around and used it on her. <laughs> I could see that her portfolio was kind of similar to mine. We had sort of similar vibes in the things that we did. And I knew that she was getting, uh, she was going to do a show, a sketch comedy show in New York um, that was called The State, a really famous well, sketch comedy show. Yep. Um, and I just, I, everything she told us to do, I just did it to her <laughs> until she, and just kind of like hounded her, just kept up with her, just kind of kept like being like, Hey, did you get that show or what's going on with that? And, and then she, she gave me a job and uh, that was, I mean, that was totally really the synthesis of it. And I've been working in comedy ever since. So it was sort of one of the questions I was going to ask is, did you specifically want to go into comedy, but things seemingly just sort of fill into place where you kind of say knowing the right people at the right time kind of sense. And you know, sketch comedy is the most brilliant place in the world to cut your teeth in the design world because you're reinventing the wheel every second of every day. There's no like closet. You're not like building uh, a closet uh, that you can draw, that you can just mix and match from. You're literally creating characters every day. Like the state was 12 actors. I think, I think it was 12. Yeah. 11 boys and one girl. <laughs> and we made them every, every, possible thing from lawn ornaments to like the boys played girls and the girl played boys. And I mean, it was just, it was never ending. So um, in that sense, it was the most incredible way to start off my career as her assistant and yeah, just awesome. every nutty thing under the sun um, and doing it fast and furious and in Manhattan, like crazy. And then it's just snowballed since from there, you know, like, I feel like that's what I always tell students is, is if you can get that first job and then you just really keep up with all those people and you, uh, you just never know where your next, someone who's going to mention your name, you, you really just don't know who's, who's going to carry forth what's good about you. So I'm always like, just make friends with everybody and try to keep up with them. Um, even if it's like the craft service person or like the, you know, from the director to a craft service, like I, it, everybody is, um, it's going to move forward into the world and hopefully, you know, carry you with them. Well, it, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, Jared and Kip sort of said something similar. They're like, well, you know, it, most of the time it comes down to who, you know, you know, obviously what you know will help you, but if you make the right contacts, you know, if you treat, I, I go by the philosophy, treat people like icebergs because you can only see on the surface, you don't know what's manifesting underneath or whether they've just buried a loved one or had a fight. You don't know. So Treat everyone with kindness and you never know, someday later on it could come back and you could be infinitely rewarded. So absolutely. Every single person you have to really take each individual as like a gift that they have crossed your path. Um, yeah, I firmly believe that. And I, and it's always um been uh successful for me. Yeah, awesome. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. See, kindness does pay. <laughs> Full on pays, yep. <laughs> So after your time in New York, you spent, how did you spend a few seasons on the show? And then when did you, how long was it before you sort of come out, you went out to LA? Like, so what happened next? What was next for your career? I, you know, in New York, I did, I was so lucky to do all these like really culty classic comedy things. So I worked with the, the folks from the state. 
Upright Citizens Brigade, Strangers with Candy, that was Amy Sedaris. Um, incredible shows that all of those amazing people all went on to do even more amazing things. So I just, um, again, like just kept, kept up with that. And um, I mean, I'm from LA. So I, yeah, I had to, I had to eventually move back here <laughs> for the sunshine. I, I need that. I need that sunshine in my blood. Um, and actually a, a director, Adam Bernstein, who I had worked with on Strangers with Candy. Um, he came out here to do the, the pilot for Scrubs and he was just the first person I thought that he thought of. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. I, I got that, um, the pilot of that. And it's just like been like an avalanche since then. <laughs> See, my ears just went up and like that infinitely brings me to, I've got about a thousand questions I could ask you about <laughs> Scrubs. So, okay. So Adam Bernstein calls you and you, okay. Yeah. So we've got this, this project we're working on is a medical funny series um, scrub. So can you tell us about sort of your, the genesis of you starting on scrubs and what were some of your roles there? And you were saying before that you've had to be involved in obviously costume design, but the look and the aesthetic of the show, can you explain us through that process of how you got it all started? Um, let's see my, you know, here's the thing. My process always starts with a certain dose of fear of getting it wrong. <laughs> I don't ever assume that I know the world that I'm walking into. Um, and I always have this incredible drive to make sure that I serve it well. And so for me, that means getting my, getting some research on the ground. Like I try to get in the real place that I'm trying to create. Um, I really have done that on every project. Like I don't just, I mean, also the internet wasn't a big deal back then. So you're not just like looking stuff up. You're not just hashtag scrubs, you know? Um, oh, so how convenient I, you know, these days, hey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of great. But I mean, also, but a little iffy because I feel like nothing imitates, uh, what is it? Life better than art? No, art, life, which direction does it go? I feel like it. life never, it's always better than art. I think the real life. Life, life is a better canvas. It really is. And you really get the goods when you, when you do the research in real time. So Adam and I decided that we would go to this hospital um, downtown LA um, and check it out. And we somehow, I don't know, got the, uh, got ourselves invited in there. We weren't allowed to bring cameras, which is a shame. Um, I took copious notes, but um, yeah, we walked all around um, and I just, of course, we had a keen eye on, on, because I wasn't sure, like, what does the atmosphere look like? Is everybody wearing scrubs? Is everybody wearing a lab coat? Are there people in civilian clothes? Like, I had no idea, like, what the, the whole world looked like. Um, I had no idea, like, how regimented it was. Like, does everybody wear the same thing? Or does, that, like, how does it work? You know, I didn't know any of that stuff. And, um, yeah, so we walked all around. We got to go in the ER. I remember like actually, cause it's the downtown hospital, the ER was kind of like bizarrely packed. And I remember like kind of scooching down a, 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 a hallway where there was like people on gurneys. Like, and I bumped into somebody's foot that was like on a gurney. I'm like, ah, <laughs> this is <laughs> the worst. <laughs> um, but I, I gleaned so much incredible information and then, and found those, wonderful little tidbits that you just would never know unless you saw it. 
just the way people wear their clothes, the accessories that they had. I mean, the Doug character was fully there. He was in the <laughs> the bum the so they call a fanny pack in Australia a bum bag. Uh, so he's got his little bum bag on, and <laughs> he had that. This guy had it, and he had like a water bottle hanging from it. Like he, it was like his personal gear, you know, to like get through his day. Um, I thought that was amazing. Um, uh, yeah. And I, and, you know, just really seeing how the, the hustle and bustle of it and, and the balance between civilians and patients and personnel, um, it was absolutely invaluable. It was such a great way to, to start the whole process. Yeah. Well, I suppose, um, me personally in the experience of, I know there's a, this is a bit of a tangent, but there's a travel agent I go to because they've been to the places that I'm genuinely interested to go. And for me, what you said, the similarities are, it's all about credibility. It's about believing in your product. And once you experience it firsthand, then you can sell it well. Your face lit up as you were describing that then. And you can tell, um, or I can tell just how uh, you can become passionate. You get immersed in this world. And before you know it, you've got the the look of, of scrubs, you know, and they say it on the Zach and Donald's podcast all the time. And she was probably aware that Scrubs at the time was voted the most accurate medical show, despite it being a comedy. So yeah. as part of that aesthetic, you and your team were responsible for creating the visual look and creating, you know, the, the sense of and the aesthetic of what made it become the, the comedy cult it, it, it has been for a long time. So I think, you know, kudos to you and your team, like, well done. That's long Thank overdue, you. but. I mean, that's the thing is like, it can't, the costumes can't draw your attention. You, it has to sell the whole world that you're in. Otherwise it's distracting. And it was the same with my work on the office. Like it's, it, it has to be straight up. Otherwise it's, you're broadcasting something that you're not intending to broadcast. Yeah, fair. yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll talk, we'll talk about like your, off, like your time on the office shortly, because I just heard you on the ladies, the office ladies podcast. And, you know, you told a story about how you had to go out and do some research and to, to make the genuine look of the office, which I'm, I'm insanely in, interested to, to hear about. But I was just curious to know, like in your time on Scrubs, you know, you're, you're on there for 180 episodes. So, you know, that's start to finish. And I was just curious, like Insane. Yeah. when you started on the show, um, do you have like some memorable moments or some funny moments or some cool stories that you'd share? Like who was surprisingly funny? Who was the sweetheart of the group? You know, what are some oh, awesome memories that you got from scrubs? Oh, you want dirt on the actors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Only oh if you're willing God. to share. It's all good. And, and, <laughs> and cast members too, like crew members as well. I mean, um, yeah. So whatever you want to share, like I've Jared said that, you know, he, he got along really well with like um, John C. McGinley and they used to call him Hoppy. He said to this day, he still doesn't know why. And Kip said that, you know, the kindness that uh, Bill Lawrence showed him and, you know, some of the amazing memories he's been able to create ongoing from his days on Scrubs. Like it's those stories that I think deserve to be told because, you know, the people that make the show amazing are the actors, but more so it's the people behind the camera. So. For- yeah. I mean, and, and- thank you for for recognizing that because it truly is and and really like that i hold my experience at scrubs up as like i I mean really seriously like the pinnacle of my experience working in this industry because 
of the tone that Bill Lawrence set from the very beginning and also Randall Winston, like those two were the most incredible producing team and just had their heads on straight from the beginning and really, really supported their, the artists working on the show like that from the very beginning. I mean, when we, when we did the pilot, it was in this disgusting hospital that's now been um, demolished. Actually, you know, what's crazy. Both <laughs> hospitals that we worked in have been demolished. Um, but the first one, if you look at the, the pilot episode, it's considerably grungier than all the rest of the episodes um, on purpose. Like that was the, the way they kind of wanted to go. But so we were literally working in this super grungy hospital. Um, when I first started, I, there was no furniture in the room that they gave me. Like we literally were sitting on boxes and using boxes as desks. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> and yet here's Bill Lawrence. He brings in, I mean, that got remedied eventually, but we, we started, it was like rough. Um, like by the skin of our teeth, really. But here, Bill Lawrence, made sure that everybody had a boom box in their office so that they could listen to music. He bought everybody a boom box on the first day of shooting. He gave every department head the most incredible bouquet of flowers. Like, here we go. We got this. My bouquet of flowers. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. It was literally as tall as me with the vase sitting on the ground. It was like this enormous, gorgeous bouquet. And it was sort of like this, the most beautiful message, like, I believe in you. We, we got this, let's make this amazing, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't use those words, but he does it with his actions. Um, but that was really the tone that he set and it carried through all the way along. And he really gets how to work collaboratively. Like he really, um, you know, if I ever came to him, I was like, I don't know what to do about this. You know, what do you think? What do you think? And, and he'd be like, what do you think? What do you think? You're, you're the one that's thinking about this. And I said, well, I kind of think it should be like this. And he goes, great. That's how it should be. It should be like that. You know, like he never micromanaged it. Now the industry is very, a lot of micromanaging, like a lot of everybody, lots of cooks in the kitchen. And that it puts, it, it puts you off your game when someone's second guessing for you, you know, and you're like, wait, wait, I'm, I'm so invested in this. I'm spending all my waking energy and sleeping energy, thinking about working through these problems and figuring out how to make it look and collaborating. Like don't second guess, you know, and, and Bill just, he just instinctually has that. And that's what makes all his projects so great that he really truly collaborates and he trusts. Um, so yeah, so from the get-go, that was the, that was the atmosphere. And and to that end, before we ever started each season, he would have, he and Randall would throw a Scrubs family picnic and he would invite like a musical group to come and play. And it would be like held in a big park somewhere. And they would have, the caterers would come that are usually that are with us during the show. They would come and feed us and we'd play games. We'd do a balloon toss. Um, Neil Flynn and and uh, Bill Lawrence would always win the balloon toss, which is a little suspect to me. I don't know how that always happened every single time. Um, but I, 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 you know, just incredible. Like what, like those two guys like really know how to bring it and create community. And it, it totally pays off. Like that's um, how it should still be. It's not like that anymore. Um, you know, that, and then like incredible rap parties too, like where we all just can like let our hair down and be like, we did that. We pulled that off. It was insane. 
Um, you know, because also back then our seasons were, I think, tw- 22 episodes and then maybe some, and maybe extra ones on the end, 24, 28. Now it's like six or 12 is all the, that they're willing to commit to. Mm. So it was it was epic, epic seasons and just endless amounts of work. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. I, and uh, every person I've spoken to and listening to fake doctors, uh, everyone said that Bill had a no asshole policy. So, you yeah. know, if you're toxic to the crew, if you're causing dramas, sorry, you're gone. Yeah. Which I, I like that. I, I mean, I, you know, mining is obviously different. That's my area of expertise. And we had a one of our supervisors was very uh, micromanaging and no one liked him. And as a result, he was the one who got moved on because the dynamic of the work crew got along fine, but he was yeah. because he kept worrying about small minuscule tasks as opposed to the big picture. You know, everything was affected, like the, the amounts of product that we moved to get out of the ground or whatever. So... It doesn't pay to micromanage, and it sounds like that Bill Lawrence, as always, is a legend among the legends. And um, <laughs> I would love to meet that man someday. So even if it's over a five-minute Zoom call, but um, uh, like that, that's really awesome to hear. And you know, if you've um, been given the opportunity to work freely and do your thing, and then that's great. I love hearing stories like that. And, yeah, yeah, and then you know, and then that way too, like when you're trusted, you really bring your A game. You're not, you don't get into that mess of second guessing yourself and then you can't make decisions. And there's so many decisions that have to be made on a daily basis, last minute, like you're just putting out fires constantly. And, and if you're second guessing yourself, it just, it's awful. And, you know, and then also in that space, like if there's something that he really believes in or he really sees is not how he envisioned it, then he can come and go, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That, I, I was, that's not how I thought about it. Like, let's change that. And then you're like, of course, oh my God, no problem. Yes, of course, I, well, I wasn't thinking or whatever. Um, it's just so much more powerful to, to uh, you know, to, to, to trust, to, to, to give, to empower your, the people that are there to help you. They're paid, you know, he's paying me to think about all the costume stuff for him. Like, 100%. And, I, and I do it 120%, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So- Whilst you, you know, your time on Scrubs, you know, there are some memorable moments with amazing costumes. Like you could talk about the musical episode. You could talk about, as you mentioned before, the time working with the Muppets. But, you know, and but one of the questions I wanted to ask was, I'm sure you've had many moments and many challenging uh, times, but season seven, the final episode, working on the, like the fantasy of the medieval episode, um, I would imagine that would have been quite difficult to come up with the aesthetics of the costumes. So my question is, what's one of the most difficult things you've had to create on the set of scrubs? Was it from that episode or? Oh my God. I don't know. You know, it's funny that that episode, Bill called um, Cabot McMullen, the production designer and I into his office and he was like, Hey, I have this idea. I want to do this, this episode where it would all be medieval. And I, I want it to be the next episode. <laughs> and we were like, Oh, okay. Okay. Oh my God. And he's like, oh yeah, it's going to be like, the whole thing's a, like a, a fairy tale. And like the whole thing will be like a medieval. And we, we were like, okay, okay, okay. That sounds great. We'll do it. And then we, we walked out of the office and closed the door behind us. And we both looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, can't be done in a week. <laughs> you know? So we just opened the door and went back in and we we're like, could we do it in two weeks <laughs> like, or more? And, and he, again, was like gracious enough. He's like, okay, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll like, we'll, you know, switch it around and and, and we did it. It still was like such an incredible amount of work to do because it's like completely 
it was like doing a movie in basically like two weeks. Um, you know, it was just reinventing the wheel. Like again, it's, there was no closet of stuff. Like we had to build everything. All the costumes were built, um, you know, uh, the uh, janitor as the, the giant. Yeah, that was, it was such a good episode. I mean, that was the so same fun. year as the, that was the same year as the writer's strike, wasn't it? I think memory. The, the what? Was that the same year as the writer's strike? That's why it was a oh, short season. I think I'm not gosh, sure. Oh my gosh. I don't, you know what? Oh my God. I, to be honest, like I, those years, <laughs> those years are complete blur for me because <laughs> I, for four years, I designed both the office and scrubs. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, it's like a blackout to me. <laughs> so yes. And the writer strike was in there. Yeah. Um, somewhere along that way. It might've been, yeah. It might've sunk up with that. No, that's but, a good um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that episode had so many things that were custom made problems to figure out. Like, yeah, the the the, um, the janitor's giant outfit had these enormous shoes that the <laughs> neck of the shoe was where his foot actually was to boost him up that high. The the turla, like the two headed thing we had to like kind of that was sort of early on with the CG stuff. We had to sort of create this costume that had like a, a flat neck that went across um so that they could do the cg heads on there but then we also had to create this behind the scenes thing so that when they acted those parts out their head they were actually we actually had to basically tie them together while they acted and while we shot their heads on green screen so that they could react and be in each other's faces and stuff um oh yeah i mean just so many so much of the um uh uh the lawyers hunchback like all that stuff is all custom custom made in like a, a week basically wow to pull that like because it's 20 years later it still looks the goods like it still holds up as like it looks astounding and yeah like just so yeah. i think you and the team to come up with that in such a short period of time you know oh, I mean, mad so respect that- mad respect from me hey <laughs> thank you because so much of that stuff is flying by the seat of our pants and i mean i I, I mean, I, I love me some Bill Lawrence, but let me tell you what, he never had scripts on time. It was always <laughs> just like, just flying by the seat of our pants. And literally like we did that episode in the Bahamas, two, two episodes in the Bahamas. Um, and all the stuff had, all the costumes had to be shipped down there like a week in advance. I, I know probably two, two weeks before no script. I had no idea what we were doing down there. There's no stores on the Island that we're on there's nothing I had to kind of guess I knew there was gonna be a wedding I knew we probably needed bikinis and things we had beach wear and something to arrive in I just kind of was guessing and I just kind of threw it all in a box and (laughs) shipped it down there and then literally we're on a plane down there and Bill's like come sit next to me I'm gonna tell you what's in this episode (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like I kind of don't want to know because I there's nothing I can do about it at this point we just got stuff and hopefully it works. And then of course, when we're down there, he's like, Hey, I want to have this mermaid. <laughs> like, uh, okay. That was the one thing I didn't think about, but I did have, I like had thrown in some fabric, some like some, um, you know, like a bathing suit fabric and the, it was our stand-in who was going to be the mermaid. She had a bra that she brought with her. So I, like, I literally stayed up all night. I sewed, uh, I used the fabric I had, I sewed it onto her bra. There was like a tiny little gift store there that I bought a bunch of earrings, 
took them apart. They had like shells and things on it. Sewed the shells on. I made this like couture <laughs> bikini top for the mermaid. Um, and, and that to me like sums up my whole experience on scrubs. Like it's, I mean, there just was so much stuff like flying by the seat of our pants and just making it happen. Um, and which I know, you know, moving forward into my career in the comedy world, I get it. You're always trying to get that joke. And so you kind of have to be fluid, <laughs> but <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, <laughs> you just Bill, have to be able to move fast and, Bill, and come up with ideas. Bill sounds like the kind of guy who could even like upset you the most that he's still a lovable character. You know, he's just, just do anything. And he sounds like such a sweetheart. <laughs> he's such a sweetheart. I love him to death. I mean, and so that, that mermaid thing, when it got out there on the beach, he shot it from, he, he lines up the shot and is shooting it from behind her over her shoulder. And I was like, you, I didn't do the back. I'm like, you're kidding me. We can't, what? No. I'm like running down the beach. Like what? No, we can't. Like, no, you can't shoot the back it just looks like a bra you know <laughs> but he always has like some magical answer that just like just put puts you like just diffuses it he's like it's cool it's good it's gonna be good we'll fix it in post whatever <laughs> that's see i hear stories of that i just I think uh, I'm all so... this great hair is definitely from him but <laughs> <laughs> at least you've got hair on your head i've got i've got none on mine so so you know if you're if you're you know flat out with with scrubs and as you mentioned before you're doing the office as well plus everything else how did you get sort of originally started on the office and can you take us through sort of the design of the aesthetic of the show and sort of because you had a, a, a massive input on the design of, of the office too didn't you um yeah yeah and 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 uh, apologies at being a little bit fuzzy on how the whole synthesis of it came on but i but i <laughs> the pilot happened during while the pilot of the office happened while i was doing scrubs um, and I just did it. Like, that's what you do. Like you're on your, you're on your show and then there's a pilot season and you do the pilots, you do a couple and kind of hopes that one of them will get picked up and then you'll have like another show. Or if the show you're on gets canceled, then you'll have a new show. It's like this kind of gamble, um, that you go through every year, you know, knowing that pilots are like three times the work of any other show, because you're literally lifting an entire world off the ground. You're inventing the wheel. Um, but so, yeah, so I did the, I did the pilot of the office somewhere along the way on a hiatus from scrubs and never really thought much about it. Just kind of did it. And, um, it was a while after that, that it got picked up. So again, I just kind of like, didn't really think about it. Just kind of going along, doing my, doing my thing. And then suddenly I was doing both those shows. (laughs) Um, yeah. And that, nicely enough they moved uh near each other they were close enough that i could drive back and forth between the two shows and there was a starbucks in the middle and i just would go <laughs> go back and forth stop at starbucks read my script chug a coffee go to the next show like that was it was not healthy but that's how i managed to get it done <laughs> but <laughs> so, um you must have been flat out you must have been so busy holy cow oh God, i don't even i it's funny because now friends are like hey remember that time when you didn't talk to me for like six years <laughs> which six years <laughs> I'm like yeah yeah I was busy um but yeah you you asked about the the uh sort of the the synthesis of the look of of the office which is kind of a really similar story to scrubs like that same thing like I just uh, I never assume that I have any idea what I'm talking about and I have never worked in an office before I I 
didn't know what that culture really looked like. I, I don't want to assume I kind of, you know, you kind of can guess, but like, what's it really looking like out there? And um, so I just, I, <laughs> I looked in the phone book, looked in the phone book, found a paper company that was near, near me, the next town over, and just called them up and was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And I wonder <laughs> if I could just come take a look around. And um, the owner was so gracious. And I got there and I just, it just blew my mind. It was everything. It was very similar to how the office, the um, English version looked. Um, and um, all the characters were there. I mean, it was just perfect. All the details were just delicious. Um, everything from like inspirational posters that were printed from a, from a printer, like, and tape like on eight and a half by 11 paper, but taped together, like maybe 12 of them to make like an inspiring thing that was on the wall. That's, that, that sounds like, so awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome, mate. it really does. <laughs> to like, there was like a deer head, you know, like a taxidermy deer head in the, in the warehouse. Um, As you do. <laughs> so many beautiful, so many beautiful details. And I, took pictures they were gracious enough to let me take pictures even the people like let me I just you know again like it's I specifically come from a, a place of reverence when I do this stuff like I'm laughing about it now but it's not a joke to me when I go in to do this research like the the people that I'm trying to recreate are the magic for me. And so they're like my co-conspirators in this. So I, you know, I don't, I never want it to seem like I'm making light of this incredible experience that I had. Um, the people there were so wonderful. Let me take pictures of them. Um, and all the characters were there. Uh, it was, it was just absolutely invaluable. Just also the way they wear their clothes and, and the, their vibe. Um, but I brought all of that. Um, I put it, made a little like photo, a little, um, you know, slideshow. And I put um, Welcome to the Working Week. Um, that song. Oh my gosh, I'm going to blink on who does that song. Somebody tell me, please. Welcome to the Working Week. Anyways. I'll look it up. <laughs> oh my God, I can't think. Anyways, I presented that to um, Greg Daniels and our DP, and um, we Elvis looked at- Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello, thank you. God, Elvis Costello, how could I forget? Yeah, welcome to the Working Week. I had this whole little presentation, and I showed it to Greg, and he was like, what is this? Where is this? You will take me there. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just, we all went back. We took the DP, we took the production designer, we brought video cameras, we videotaped everything, um, and- um, we subsequently actually even used all the stuff from that. We used their product. We used, we bought their stuff to use on the show <laughs> as props and set dressing and all that stuff. Um, so it was, yeah, I mean, it was really, really fruitful and always, always was my touchstone um, to, to help me sort of keep a, a palette of how the scenes should look, how the people should look, um, <clears throat> what the community should look like, the mix of who's in suits and who's not and what the ladies look like and do they wear a lot of jewelry and do, you know it's like all that stuff um is so important um you know because it, it really sets sets the tone i mean even 
even down to like the shoes, like do the ladies wear fancy shoes? You know, you always see women walking to work in their suit with sneakers on, pantyhose and sneakers. I see that, but I'm like, what is that? Are they, are they really, do they go to work like that? Do they have shoes in their purse that they put on? Like, like what, what how is that? You know, because <laughs> I, I feel like the shoes are so important to the actors because it really informs how they, how they walk into the office, how they feel. Yeah. I remember you saying that, you know, t- those who generally work in office buildings don't have the, the salary or the funds to, you know, to wear these extravagant shoes or designer jeans or what have you. So, you know, I remember you talking to the girls and I think it was, might've been Angela who said like, you know, we come in and I'll be calling her at all hours and saying, oh, what if we try this? And like, and you'd say, no, well, you know, unless she had, uh, you know, won the lotto or something, you'd have to, keep it sort of keep it sort of to the salary of what the person might be earning yeah, yeah um, just really pedestrian like yeah. it, I have to hold that line like I really like that was more my my purpose on the show was really to hold the line especially as the show got more popular and those actors like they're the hottest actors in Hollywood they come you know they come in the the coolest clothes and my job is to like meet them at the door and like knock them down a notch <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, actually, Ricky Gervais came to our show one time and um, I got to chat with him for a second and he was like, how's it going? And I said, well, you know, I, I'm just I'm just trying to hold the line. Like, I, you know, I explained all that and he was like, oh, my God, tell me about it. He's like, after the first season of the, the English version, when they're about to shoot the second one, everybody came and they had they had had their teeth whitened and they had tans and they were all. <laughs> They were all glossied up and he's like, ah, like, no, no, we got to look like real people. We can't look like, you know, we've been Hollywood eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, it, it is such a process. Like that's what I always try to impart to people that are the audience that may be comparing themselves or comparing their lives to people on TV. Don't do that. Don't. Don't, I think to anyone out there, live your own life if you're you know if you're a fan of something don't compare yourself because it's a show it's somewhat you know, are, it's fictional and like, there are, yeah there's there are 200 people working to make that actor look good be that person say those words look that certain way have the hair have the there's literally usually a set is about 200 people that that make a show and it's it's such a collaborative effort um, those actors do not walk in that way. And I'm doing my job well, if you, if you think that they look, you know, normal, like every day. I, I mean, I've actually had to defend myself before. They're like, well, what kind of costumes are there on Scrubs in the office? Well, <laughs> really specific costumes, like really specific, you know, to, to really get the right look and make these amazing Hollywood actors uh, have access to all kinds of fancy things. Um, to make them look pedestrian. That's it. The old, uh, the old, bring it all down to earth, pedestrian it all the way. Yeah. So I could, I don't know how much time you got. I could spend hours to you uh, speaking to you about both, but sort of, <laughs> you know, given you, you know, you were on to what, in my opinion, some of the biggest comedy shows on the planet, you know, moving forward through your career, I'm just looking at a list of your bona fides here. How did, how was sort of some of the differences between working on Scrubs or The Office to say something you've worked on, uh, more recently, say like Mapleworth Murders or the Superior Donuts. What are some of the 
the key differences you've and lessons you've learned throughout the course of your career do you think um you know i think nowadays the shows are oh how do i want to put it like there's so much more of sort of a commodity that that's kind of the atmosphere it's less of a wonderful experiment that everybody's working really hard to come, make come alive. Like that's what those experience on those on scrubs in the office was like, it really was like this sort of laboratory of trying to get these things to happen. And we we're always flying by the seat of our pants. Now shows are, it's just cut so thin. The margins are so tight that it's, it's almost, in a way painful to kind of just jam stuff out as fast as you possibly can. Um, uh, like the budgets have been cut, time has been cut. Um, you know, even like we even used to do, most shows always had like a gallery shoot, which is what you do to make the, the images for the press for the show. Like now the shows I work on, we don't even do that. They don't even do that. They just digitally like cut pictures out and glue them together and change the colors of the outfits. It's it's a travesty. I mean, I I just did um, head of the class with Bill actually, but they we never did do that gallery shoot, which to me is so meaningful. It's so it creates images that that again you see for years in perpetuity throughout the universe. It's on the products. It's on the advertising. Um, we never did do that gallery shoot and they just compiled it digitally and they did change the colors of the costumes. And I just, I literally wrote to my actors. I'm like, I'm sorry. I know you would never wear those colors. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's disheartening to, to see your, your work that you so carefully think through and, and design and you, and, and discuss with the actors and, and collaborate with the set designer and you create this incredible palette that's very specific, um, you know, and then to see it just like, ugh, just totally just change digitally. It's like, ah, uh, it's, it's kind of disheartening, I have to say. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. But so um, like working on a, on a sort of a, a, a network show like Scrubs or The Office, as opposed to working for a streaming service. So you've got, sort of less timeline more as you said less budget more of a more go 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 kind of thing and can be oh quite gosh. quite constricting can it oh it's yeah i mean we did uh, mapleworth murders was it was on quibi which which uh went out of business before it even got started which is what, so sad was that the streaming service that had nine minute episodes of things or yeah yeah, yeah. okay cool uh, which was a cool really super cool concept um but again like it to me, it was so indicative of where the business is trying to go. You know, it was supposed to be these 10 minute episodes, right? So that's, that's, that's doable. That's a nice little tidbit, a little bite, but the actual storyline took place over three, a three episode arc, right? So beginning, middle and end. So we did 12 episodes. So that's 120 minutes worth of content, right? We were shooting it, of course, all out of order. So you have to be ready for everything all up front. Um, I was hired two weeks too late, two weeks later than I should have been. So I had two weeks basically to pull together a feature film. 120 minutes is a feature film, right? Yeah, and especially right. if you're doing it all out of order, you have to have everything ready up front. 
my principal actor on there, who was Paula Pell, she was one of the main writers on uh, Saturday Night Live for a million years. She's the most hilarious lady. Very funny, writer, very funny person. Yeah, so awesome. She was the writer, producer, and the star of the show. I didn't get to fit her until the Thursday before she worked on Monday, and she had 19 custom-made costumes. Wow. Like, <laughs> do the math. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's that's where it's gotten right now. Like, it's so impossible it's just impossible. And so it's so it's demoralizing to, to be standing there. Like I have all of this incredible knowledge and ability, but like it, the, the puzzle doesn't match up, you know, like it doesn't, you can't, it's not magic. It can't happen over a weekend, you know, but you just figure it out. So like you just schedule it to the nth degree, like, okay, well, this costume has to happen first and then that one. And then this one, it's, it's mind boggling. Um, and, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's always been crazy, but like it's it's sort of out of limits crazy now. So you know, to everyone out there who, you know, enjoys a series run show on a like on a streaming service, just stop, you know, because, you know, as the consumer, we're like, we want the next season. We want it now. So hearing that, you know, everyone out there who is impatiently waiting for the following season, just list. There's one example of just how hectic it can be behind the camera. So enjoy the art that's being created and be a little and be patient, you know, like good things will happen, but to those hard working like Carrie, just, you know, take your time and enjoy it for what it is. And don't be, you know, don't be hateful onto the artists creating their thing. I think that's what I take from there. So, you know, thank you for the art that you've made so far over your career and continuing to make in future. Like it's, it makes me appreciate it just that little bit more. Mm, thank you so much. It's, it's so nice to be recognized. Uh, you know, it's, and actually it's funny because that's, that's one of the things that I can't complain about with COVID. Like I've, I've actually done so many podcasts and it's so lovely to be able to tell this, these stories because it's really the backbone of why these uh, shows have, are so well loved. Like they, they, there's so much love and thoughtfulness that goes into it. It's truly an art form. There's so much artistry that goes into it and collaboration on such a crazy level. I mean, I, it's funny because I, started I tried to have to have a business outside of the industry and it uh, was doing my scrubs line um, and it made me bonkers because the rest of the world is in slow motion to me <laughs> compared to how we get things done on a tv show I mean it, everything was due yesterday you know like everything it, it, it's it's such an incredible breed of of artists that can that can uh, assimilate the information and and make it happen in in such an you know with such like a pressure like the time the money, um, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like it's it's really a a, a special art form. Yeah, and I was gonna uh, ask you about that. So, and I'll include a link to your website and all your socials. So, if anyone is interested in uh, in interacting with Carrie herself and seeing her line and her works. Uh, there'll be a link in the bio underneath. So, you know, we can talk about that soon if you'd like to as well. But I just, uh, one thing I always like to ask those creative in the industry, and it's been good. Some some answers have been different. I've spoken to some Australian comedians, uh, some radio hosts and actors down here too. But one of the things I like to know is, given that you've had a, a successful career for this long, you know, what's what do you think is the winning equation to stay successful in the entertainment industry, do you think? from a, from your perspective? Oh my gosh. 
bringing all the serious questions. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I don't know the secret to my success. Um, you know, I really, really, I believe that it's it's bringing your most authentic self. I, I if I had to filter it down to one thing, you know, it's not being like a player and having all the right outfits and going to all the right parties. Cause I I'm definitely 100% not that person. Um, <laughs> I, I love my time at home. I yeah. love my kid, my cat, my, you know, like I, you know, and I, and I also don't work a ton um, anymore. Cause I like to kind of be really, um, picky with what I, I put my energy towards. Well, you've earned that right. You've done, you've, you know, you succeeded. So you should be able to, to, to do it on your terms. And, and I think that that's, it's really important to do that. Like I know, I mean, I know tons of designers that just gobble up, gobble up uh, productions one after another, after another. And I don't know how, like, it's such a taxing job. Like I don't, I don't really know how you can be, um, fully present in your own authentic self if you're spread that thin um and so to me that's where you sort of become like this commodity like you're just cranking the workout as fast as you can it doesn't really have a lot of heart um i i think i i personally have to be able to remain centered um and um also be able to be enjoying the the greater world at large <laughs> so that I have something to give. I have something to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, if I'm spread too thin, I just, I'm yucky. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like to me, it's, you know, you want to keep it at a level of quality, not quantity. And as right. we spoke before, it's about having that, um, that lifestyle choice. So you get to have time with your family and your cat and all that stuff and doing what you enjoy doing because, if it's just work, 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 you'll burn out. And before you know it, you're no help to anyone. I say this to many people. It's been said to me as well. It's like no one in life, anyone in your life, whether it be personal, professional, can be happy with you unless you're happy in yourself. So if, you're, if you stay centered and true to who you are, then ultimately you're going to be better off. See, when I was, I just left a position in mining doing, like we were going between 12-hour day and night shifts. And I was just sort of burnt out, you know, you're doing that for five years and you're, you're always tired. I wasn't, I wasn't hungry for three years because my sleeping pattern couldn't ever keep up. Um, you know, it's, it's things like that. So to everyone out there, you know, that sounds cliche and you see it on Hallmark cards all the time, but make the moments count, don't, don't count the moments. And, you know, even, even those of us who, you know, are hardworking in Hollywood, like we all need to be balanced because we're only human. So, you know what? what feels good well and you know and i really do i want to say this too like i i mean maybe it sounds like i do all the work <laughs> but that is 100 not true my crew my crews my crews my crews oh my god i mean they're just the most brilliant dedicated incredible people and i feel like ha half of my job is remaining centered to support them like if i'm out of my mind and exhausted and yelling at them it's it, it's just not how it gets done i mean they are like the super glue that keeps it all happening and i think once the ball gets once we start shooting and stuff like my job really becomes like being their support 
like having the answers for them, anticipating what answers they're going to need, anticipating what their needs are going to be. Um, that's how it gets done, 100%. And that is truly like I have to be in my right mind um, to, to do it. So I, I know just myself, like I, I, I can't, I can't do project after project after project. Like it's just, um, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> so lead by example and you're in the trenches with them working hard as well. So a shout out to all the, you know, all the unsung heroes in their fashion and, and the creative world of costume oh, design yeah. and everything else. So shout outs to you all out there. And if anyone is listening to this, you know, maybe thinking I've got some skills and maybe I'd like to try my chance in the, in the entertainment biz. What's some wisdom or advice you could pass on to the next generation, do you think? Oh, my gosh. Um, let me think here. Um, I think that, well, I mean, of course, now nowadays it's all kind of branding yourself, but I, which is important, having your, having your act together, your resume and your business card and your website and your Instagram and your, all your stuff is important. But what's even more important is and I'm just gonna keep saying it again it's being your authentic self like it's following your heart and knowing that um you'll figure out you'll figure it all out as you go along um because you can honestly say oh gosh I don't I don't know what I'm doing here can you explain it to me um I, I see a lot of people that a lot of kids sometimes I teach at um FITM, and I see the kids feeling like they have to be this whole something like a persona or you know they have to kind of know everything and it's just not true you just have to be personable you have to follow up um when you talk to somebody um and uh really just what am i trying to say like i think speak from your heart and just be like hey i here's my skill set is there any way like do you ever see me being able to you know help you out on something is there anything i could do or you know if you can make yourself uh, you know, make yourself useful. Um, I mean, I say a lot to kids, like even if you, if there's a designer that you know and love, contact them. You can read, the thing is so crazy. You can reach out to them so easily uh, through Instagram or whatever and just be like, hey, can I um, help you organize your, your kit in your downtime? Or is there anything I could help you with? Or, you know, just, um, just kind of coming from a place of grace, I guess. And just sort of being like, how, how can I best serve you? How can I, what, what can I do here to get myself in this, in this business? Um, I think that is the most, I don't know, useful attitude. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely good advice. I mean, I myself, um, I've been doing some work experience at a local station here, but when I move out West, there's a, a few stations around because ultimately I'd like to get into radio I've got the head for it as I keep getting told. So, <laughs> and um, I'm blessed with the skill set. I've got a quick wit. I've got, I'm a good storyteller and I'm very good at talking to people apparently, hence the 70 odd episodes I've done with this. And um, I think you're right. I think that re that resonates with me. Like be true to yourself because they'll, they'll want it. They'll see straight through someone fake and, and don't be, you know, one of these people who thinks they know it all just because you might have, a, uni, a, a college degree or whatever it have and be open to learn and be genuine and be kind. I 110% agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Be, being open to learn is really the name of the game. And um, you know, if you're lucky enough to get your foot in the door, just be um, just be open to 
whatever and and be flexible and be able to roll with it because that is truly the name of the game. You can't take anything personally. Never, never, never take anything personally. It's um, it's it's absolutely a miracle that TV shows and movies get made because it's just it's a crazy roller coaster. Um, so you know, be um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's the word I'm searching for? Um, Oh be gosh. open, be open, be... But no, be resourceful, be resourceful. resourceful. That's what I'm okay. saying. Like, be okay, resourceful, cool. like be, you know, if you want to get into costuming, like just kind of know all your resources. Like, where are you going to get stuff? It's like a huge scavenger hunt. Every day is a scavenger hunt. You're like, are we buying this outfit? Are we making it? Are we um, borrowing it from somebody? Are we renting it? Like, where is it coming from? Like, you know, you want to start to be thinking in um, scavenger hunt terms. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, it is it's just being super resourceful and being uh, able to put out fires, um, being uh, being able to solve problems on your feet and not complaining about it, like not not taking it personally when everything you just did is now not happening and you got to switch gears and do it all again. Yeah, that 100 percent happens every day. And you also and said that on the when you spoke to the girls from the office podcast, you said you had a woman in Scranton who was able to, uh, you know, find out information for you. And you went down one year and you collected pins and props and, and all things like that. So, you know, that was a pretty cool story. I thought as well. Yeah. I mean, that was maybe one of my best, <laughs> my, my uh, best hits of uh, resourcefulness. Yeah. Like I just, actually that just came from, uh, we were going to do firemen. We needed to have firemen. And I was like, well, we got to have the patch that's authentic. And I, I how do I, how am I going to find that? I don't know. And I just, I just called the, um, the chamber of commerce in Scranton and got a hold of Mari, beloved Mari. She, and she just took my call and I was like, Hey, I have a super weird question for you. Um, do you, do you have the phone number of the, of the fire department there or do, or, or could anybody go there and like take a picture of, of their patches for me? <laughs> she was so wonderful. She's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And she did it. She took a picture, sent that patch. We recreated it. And then, and then the rest was history. We, we were friends for years. I would call her for everything. And, um, just like, Hey, is there, a, is there a radio station that you recommend that could maybe send us some stickers? Is it? Is there like a delivery service that that might have a logo we could borrow? Is there, you know, we used everything really literally from Scranton. Um, and that was just because I, I just, again, was kind of just went with my heart and I was like, well, maybe somebody will help me, I, you know, <laughs> you know, and I, and I think that also like that, again, it, it just helps with the authenticity of it. And if I was like, oh, I'll just make up this thing. I'll just make up a, a patch and we'll just slap it on there. Um, it always looks kind of, eh, kind of funky, you know, doesn't really, you, it draws your attention and you're sort of like, oh, that looks cheesy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's worth taking that extra step. Um, but again, like that's what you need time. You need time to do that. And, and nowadays that's just not, it's not as much of a thing. Well, it seems, seems like, you know, even though times have changed, whatnot, you're still quite resourceful and, and, you know, you're still a master of your craft. So I can speak on behalf of a lot of people when I say thank you for all the amazing projects you've worked on thus far and going going forward in the future, you know, working on your future projects. We're all grateful, uh, all of us as fans. Um, well, thank you so much. That's okay. I, it, it's so lovely to actually be in touch with, with fans because that's, that's an aspect of it that has never been a part of my life, you know?
just make make the shows and i don't know i don't know you don't really you know you don't really interact with the fans so it's i think it's i awesome. think you're all, you're yeah. awesome at this you could do your own podcast i think and you'd absolutely <laughs> you'd absolutely kill it <laughs> okay all right maybe a little side hustle <laughs> <laughs> so what's um you know before we close out as i said i could talk to you for hours on end but i'm sure you got a bit on um so first firstly i've got to give a shout out to my friend leon he's helped me write these questions he's a huge fan he's a scrubs maniac he loves the office as well plus other shows so thank you and um if people want to find you if they want to look at all some of your works or connect with you on the socials where can they find you um i guess my instagram is the best place which is at carrie bennett costumes and it's c-a-r-e-y carrie bennett two n's two t's carrie bennett costumes um, I, you know, it's funny. I think I actually think that my website is down, but I think it's just, it's a uh, carriebennett.com, yep. but, um, uh, it's desperately in need of an upgrade. So, you know, coming attractions, <laughs> um, but yeah, check out my Instagram. I think that's the best place and you can reach out to me there. I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, uh, yeah, it's my pleasure. And I'll keep it. I'll put a, a link to the bio, you know, underneath in this, in this, uh, episode description, but, can you say what what you what you've got coming up this year? Have you got a few projects coming up in the next sort of twelve to eighteen months, or what's next for you? Um, you know what? I'm actually I'm, I'm actually taking a little minute because um, the school situation here has been so nuts. It's been up and down and up and down. Uh, my my daughter's in sixth grade, and um, so I'm, I'm I just took a little time off because uh, you know at, at any moment she could have been quarantined. Um, uh, I just finished doing head of the class though, and that's out. Um, and then the lovely Mapleworth murders that I thought would never see the light of day um, because Quibi went down. Um, that is now on Roku. If you have the Roku and I recommend Roku. it. No, I've it's never heard of Roku's. Uh, I've never heard yeah. of it, but I'll check that out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's so, so that's lovely to be able to see. Cause that's a, it's very culty classic. It has all the actors in it are from Saturday night live. Um, it's just goofy and hilarious to me. It's like old school sketch comedy. Love it. Um, so that's it at the, at the moment. Yeah. That's just awesome. Well, being a mom. That's awesome. So from the bottom, well, definitely from the bottom of my heart, like it's now I get to speak, I've spoken to three crew members from my favorite show. And now that I've spoken to someone from another one of my favorite shows that, it, it, you know, Someone said to me, he's like, why do you do this podcast, Mitch? I'm like, just because I love having conversations and I've been able to talk to, you know, people like yourself whose art I, I enjoy very much. And, you know, it doesn't happen if you just sit at home and twiddling your thumbs. Even for me, this is a, a hobby. Um, I'm having the greatest time. And I, I was just clicked over 100,000 listens, so I've entertained 100,000 people apparently. Awesome. So I, oh, my not, God. Not bad for a little coal miner from Curry Curry, I suppose. Right. And I mean, that's the thing is like, we, we forget that there is such a, a, a breadth and depth to all art that you see, like really don't take it for granted, really try to drink it in and really absorb what you're seeing because it, it is so special. Any kind of art form is so special. And um, TV and film is such a, an amazing uh, um like conglomeration of so many artists working hand in hand it's it is truly it, it's still after all these years is magic to me that it actually happens and it 
happens so well because <laughs> we're all working as fast as we possibly can and it's just everybody's incredible artistry that that um just gels and makes that magic it's it's really special that's it and yeah to everyone out there if you got that idea if you want to if you're putting something off whether you want to create that piece of art or re record that song just do it because humanity will benefit from it in some way shape or form this no, there's no point taking the greatest ideas to the graveyard i think i know it sounds morbid but it's the truth and no and you know what else ask for help ask yep. for help if you have an amazing idea people will help you and it will be a million times better than you even thought it could be like that's i i have i keep learning that lesson i've learned it over and over again i you know starting from like my thesis project when i was in grad school i was like i'm doing this thing and and then, but then I was like, oh wait, but I don't know how to compose the music. And I don't know how to, like, when you start to collaborate with other people, it just is, it, it's, it's like the big boom, but the big bang of the universe. Like you're literally creating a universe and it reverberates in, in perpetuity throughout the universe forever. You have no idea who it's going to touch. And um, it's, if you're thinking it, if you moved by some incredible idea, please do it. Please make it happen. Ask for help. Get people to help you do it because it, it's everything. It's so important. And um, yeah, you don't know who it's going to touch, whose life it's going to change, whose life it's going to comfort. Um, it's important. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the words I can truly get behind. Carrie, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much today. Um, you know, thank, I've, I've had the best time and I'll make sure to include the, everything in the description of the bio, but I'll keep it on brand and I'll do my best Kermit impression. I'll say bye-bye. Thank you everybody for listening. And as always, feel free to get in contact with us at the socials. Yay. Oh, Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was horrible. But thank you. everyone. <laughs> thank you everyone. And I hope everyone has a great day and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.